Greetings and welcome to another edition of On Mike with Jordan Rich. We meet the artists and the people with zeal and enthusiasm for the work they do, the creative people. And today we've got two wonderful guests. I'm thrilled to welcome them. Our subject is music, is jazz, is wine, all the things that go so well together. Let me tell you about who's here. Kristen Lee Sargent is a vocalist and composer who, according to Downbeat Magazine with her two albums, crafts moments of engaging drama, whether seductively sliding into a note with a near whisper, delivering a breathy revelation, or belting out a lyric with full-throated muscularity. Boy, you can't get much better than that. We're going to be talking about her current release, Smolder, a story, as she says, of fire, love ignited, ablaze, and extinguished. She's a native of Massachusetts, devoting herself to theater and working through school, graduating from Brandeis University with a degree in music, and has a classical background as well as musical theater, and we'll talk about both of those things. But in jazz, she found success when she moved to New York City. She's also discovered a friend and collaborator by the name of Ted Nash, and he's also with us, co-founder of the New York-based Jazz Composers Collective. He's a musician's musician, a long-standing member of the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra with Wynton Marsalis, and he's one of the most significant jazz composers of our century, receiving two Grammy Awards for Presidential Suite, one of his most significant works. These two, Kristen and Ted, are not only working together musically, but they're also in the wine business. I didn't tell you this, but Kristen's a sommelier. <laughs> So a lot of reasons to enjoy today's get-together. Let's give you a little taste of the music that Kristen and Ted are putting together in this new album, Smolder. It's Dynamite. Darn awesome. Let's do it. Let's go on mic with Kristen Lee Sargent and Ted Nash. Needless to say, some wonderful sounds. Welcome, Kristen. Hi. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. And Ted, I have no idea where the hell you are right now. I don't either. <laughs> I am in I'm in um, I'm in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Ah, I thought you'd be in some warm climb, but you're probably as cold as we are in the Boston area. Well, Thank you. I want to ask uh, both of you to answer this. I'll start with you, Kristen. Congratulations on your success. We'll talk about the new album and Ted's involved with that. But uh, how did you meet this guy who's a legend <laughs> in the jazz world? How did you guys get together? And then I have a question for Ted about that. Sure. Uh, well, it was maybe six or seven years ago or something like that. Ted's better with numbers. Uh 
I went to see Bobby McFerrin with the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra uh, in celebration of my birthday that year. And uh, Mr. McFerrin had been at uh, Brandeis, which I graduated from, and I was inspired by him musically and otherwise. Anyway, I uh, saw this performance and there was one arrangement in particular of uh, Scarborough Fair which uh, I thought was so creative. And I had just started to explore arranging songs and creating uh, a musical world within a song. And this particular arrangement did exactly that. I thought it was just so dramatic and satisfying that way. I'm from theater, so it had a beginning, a middle, Mm. and an end. And it was complex and improvisational and everything else. So I thought, who wrote that? (laughs) And I went home and found out that his name was Ted Nash. And a friend of mine who's bolder than I said, you know, you should just write people that you admire. And so I went ahead, I went on Facebook and I said, hi, Ted, uh, I heard this arrangement. I thought it was fantastic. I just wanted, I don't remember what I said. Uh, and he responded and invited me to hear some some music and we struck up a, a, a beautiful friendship. Wow. Relationships are based on love of the same art in this case. And uh, Ted, uh, obviously you were impressed with this young lady. Had you heard her prior to getting that note? By any chance? No, I didn't know who she was at all. But mm-hmm. I, I was impressed with her passion and her her, her want to to explore and get better, and it was it was really impressive. And the fact that she noticed your arrangement—I mean, arrangers don't get that much attention on on a per diem basis. That's what I hoped when I sent the message. I thought maybe they just didn't get a lot of these messages. It's like so. the set dresser for a movie. I mean, nobody <laughs> calls that person out. Uh, but that's really cool. And and Ted, what's your connection with wine before we talk about Triola? What is your connection? I, I love wine. That's that's my biggest connection to it. I grew up in California, and I, I would say that I'm, it wasn't necessarily because I am from there that I got turned on to wine. There are great wines in California, but I just, over the years, have explored it, drank it, tasted it, developed a, a kind of a, a love for certain types of wine and uh uh, that's about it. I don't really have a background in wine that's that's enological or particularly you know, knowledgeable. It's just uh, mm. I like it. So you had the right stalker who came after you because <laughs> stalker. Well, I didn't mean that literally. I just had a little fun with you. So, as I said in the introduction, our guest in studio, Kristen, is very skilled in wine. You've served as a sommelier for some fine restaurants, in fact. Mm-hmm. When I when I moved to New York, it was to pursue theater, and I quickly got bitten by the jazz bug. So while I was transitioning my talent and studying, I needed to make a living. And the way I did that was working in fine dining as a sommelier. So uh, when Ted and I first met, that, that was what I was spending a lot of time doing in addition to developing my voice as, as a singer and, a, and an arranger. So Ted had said, you know, I think it's always been my dream to make a wine. And I thought, I thought, let's if you start planting grapes now, maybe your grandkids will enjoy them. This is a union blessed by uh, the Gallo brothers somewhere, right? This is so amazing. So, so let's talk about the wine. Let's get that right off the top, uh, so that people can find it and and try it. It's called uh, Triola. Well, actually, it's called Two Notes. Two Notes. Yes. So you got both the notes on the line. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So the wine, that's the company? Yeah, Two Notes Wine, and then we've named the cuvées every ah, year something okay. different. So this I is see. the Triola blend. And and Ted, uh, you're the music teacher for today's episode. What does that <laughs> infer, the Triola? Uh, well, just for us, our first blend was really primarily two grapes, and we were two people, and Two Notes was the name of our uh, <laughs> the name of the wine. 
Uh, our second cuvee is actually a blend almost equally of three different uh, grapes. And so we just came up with the term triola. It's, uh, it's just something that felt good. I mean, it's not a big you know, story behind it. It's used sometimes in more classical circles to denote a triplet, which is like three in one. So it's kind of a nice mix or blend, if you'll use the wine the terminology, uh-huh. between music and wine. I love it. It's very, very clever. And uh, the wine's getting good reviews, I take it. Uh, well, people are enjoying it. And just yesterday, uh, I got to um, uh, be around town with some folks from Highland Wine, who is our distributor locally. And uh, we got a few more placements for the wine in retail. We already have a few. It's available on the shelf as we sit here mm-hmm. at Bauer Wine and Spirits on Newbury Street, as well as Solero Wines in uh, Roslindale. Well, I have a feeling that uh, jazz lovers and people who are now going to key in on who we're talking to will want to try the wine and enjoy it. No question about that. So let's talk music. I'll start with uh, Ted. Uh, you've had an, an amazing career, and I've been following some of the work. You're a two-time Grammy winner, and uh, – you, you, it's easy to say you're a, a great sax player and you play other uh, instruments and you compose and you arrange, but you seem to have a knack for doing things out of the box, like the presidential <laughs> suite. Um, where does that come from, the idea of mixing different genre and, and all that? Is this, is this all you or do you have an inspiration? Well, you get to a certain point, I think, as a musician in your career where you know, you're doing a lot of the same things and arranging music, playing, playing gigs and all that. And you just start to desire to have something a little bit more meaningful, I, I think. And I, I go back to, you know, our mythology, our, our, what we were growing up and our parents and the influence that we had. And normally, I mean, naturally, I've, I've had great musical influence by my father, my uncle, and my mother, all great musicians. But they were also very socially active. They were civil rights activists. And there are certain things that I come back mm-hmm. to, like my childhood growing up in the 60s and 70s and, and the wild parties and the, the Black Panthers being at our house and all of this crazy stuff that really kind of informed who I am more than just being a musician. And so as I explore ways to express not only musically how I am, but who I am as a person, I try to find projects that feel a little deeper and feel that, that go deeper into uh, areas that, that I feel um, need to be explored for myself and also to be able to uh, share with other people. And I, I've always, in the last, well, no, I would say, you know, the last 10 years or so, found different ways to do that, different sort of themes and concepts that help inspire me to compose music as well. So that's been sort of a focus of mine for the last few years. Well, it broadens the whole landscape of jazz, in my opinion.
And now we want to talk about the young lady who you've uh, been kind enough to work with, and that is Kristen Lee Sargent, who has a background in theater, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think it's interesting as I'm listening to Ted talk about why, how his work has evolved. Um, and I think about the presidential suite where he took speeches from great leaders and then transcribed those speeches in, for their pitches and then arranged yeah. big band around that. So that's that project. And he has another one where he uses artwork where um, Ted's work has kind of found a lot of inspiration and application in the outside world. And I think in theater, I learned how to mine the internal world for uh, to go deeper. So it's funny. I think of Ted's Ted. His work has gone deeper, and and yet has this amazing spread of things in the outside world. And for me, at this stage, a lot of the work, my originals in particular, I'm kind of mining this internal mm -hmm. world. We were talking off air about the fact that you explored opera, you explored uh, more classical nature music, which has more discipline to it, but not as much room for play. Yeah. And you seem to have found your niche and and we'll talk about your voice which is beautiful by the way. But you're you. you're enjoying that sense of exploration it seems. Right. So I, I studied and I still do study with uh, Susan Ormont who's a Bostonian uh, mm -hmm. and a, a wonderful teacher and I t w learned early on a lot of technique and then my journey as an adult artist has been to say oh what do I want to sound like and what is my idiosyncratic uh, uh, way of sounding, expressing, feeling the music. Mm. So um, I think that's interesting. And 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 just as a parallel, I think you know Ted has such an individual voice, and and now he uses that voice to um, to explore these outside themes. Well, Ted, you're featured on her new album, which is called Smolder. And uh, what what can you tell me about this young lady who we will be hearing more certainly throughout the podcast, but. In terms of her style, you've worked with so many vocalists over the years. Talk a little bit about Kristen, if you would. Uh, yeah, well, as I got to know Kristen as a person and then started to hear her music, it, at the beginning it didn't feel completely focused for me. Like It felt like she was still searching for what it is, and like she said, she got bit by the jazz bug, and I really understand that because that happened to me when I was younger wanting to be a classical clarinetist. <laughs> so then I heard Charlie Parker, and it was kind of all over. So I really understand that. And as I watched her focus in on what jazz means to her, I was so thrilled to see that it wasn't just, oh, want to be like an Ella Fitzgerald copy or someone who's going to scat sing and try to do all that. And she's got incredible ears. She's got amazing talent and, and a wonderful voice. And to see that she embraces the theater background by bringing something where she is such an incredible storyteller as well as being a, a wonderful singer and having this jazz language for me that package is so strong it's so powerful that it reaches out to people and people are so engaged when they listen to her as i am i mean i it's important for me to feel something emotional when i when i listen to music even when i was preparing for um presidential suite the speeches that i chose had to move me emotionally now when i listen to Kristen. I often get tears in my eyes, and that's always a good sign that there's something happening there. You know what I mean? That's cool. I love the way you just say that. And and jazz to me is always more about even instruments. Solo instruments are a voice. They're speaking to me as opposed to just playing beautiful music. It, it, they're creating this emotional bond and connection, and that seems to be what happens. And talk about, Kristen, working with somebody like Ted, who is the ultimate professional. He's been there, done that, but he's just amazing. Talk about that uh, syncope, if you would. Mm, well, um 
it's interesting. The last performance we did in New York, uh, the critic who saw it remarked on our dynamic together, not knowing that we make wine and <laughs> have <laughs> partnership on many levels. Um, but uh, Ted's just so in the moment as an improviser and uh, so focused and so explorative. Um, he he's he's right there. And, uh, you know, we have great dialogue just as as people. And the fact that that extends to a musical dialogue is fantastic. I mean, so on stage, it's really just two performers doing their thing now, um, you know, in uh, at home or something like that. I absolutely take full advantage of the fact that Ted Nash is around. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll get some great exercises that he might be using with <laughs> the students. One thing that uh, people are surprised to hear is that I didn't just make him do things for me in terms of the arrangements. He refuses even at moments where I might have wanted to be rescued. Uh, you know, he he got he made sure I got the music program finale so I could do my own thing. So he uh, keeps teaching me how to fish, which is pretty amazing. That's fantastic. And one of the things we talked about, Ted, and I'd love you to comment on this, is in a jazz environment, the joy of rehearsing and not just the gig itself, but working up to it. Can you comment on that again, Kristen, for Ted and me and and tell me why that matters to you? Yeah, we were speaking earlier about um, uh, earlier about how both of us come from theater in school or from our origins. Right. And uh, and both of us agreed that actually the moments we felt like we really fell in love with the art of performing. That's you was and in, me we're talking yes, about. Yes. Right. Sorry. Yes. Right, right. Uh, was when we were rehearsing. And that was the moment where I kind of got hit by the lightning bolt and thought, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And this, uh, the the relationship with the audience is amazing. To me, performing is this act of generosity and you're really giving something to the audience. But in mm. the act of creation with other people, uh, there's this incredible sense of adventure and adrenaline and exploration and discovery. Uh, I wanted to be an Antarctic explorer when I was a kid, and I feel like within jazz, I get to do that sonically. Wow. <laughs> Ted, comment, if you will, on, on the whole aspect of uh, collaboration and rehearsing and meeting new people in the biz and that kind of thing. Well, just to, to really say that it's the journey and it's not the destination, which is really where all the joy and the love and the creativity comes. And uh, you could spend six months writing music, which I'm in the middle of doing right now for a big project, and then three days of concerts and it's done. It's over. You know? So if you're only living for that, for that performance, you're missing out on what I think is the, the, the bigger picture, which is the creativity the exploration and all of that that's part of the journey. And uh, it's something that I've learned more recently, that that's, that's where life is. It's, it's in the exploration. It's not, it's not where you end up. And so the, collab, the collaborative process is, is full of that. It's, it's just like with Kristen. Like she'll be saying, God, this is taking me forever to figure out how to, to, to notate this or to get these chords together, figure out how the cello is going to fit in. That's, well, that's, that's the beauty. That's, that's where it all is. Later when we perform it, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's this whole process, which is, is that's where the joy is. Yeah. And that's, I love that you said that. Although I'm, I'm not as, as accepting of this viewpoint. When I'm in the middle of doing something, I wish I'd finished. <laughs> but um, that's, I think, to, to pull it all together for me, coming from other art forms, be it theater, opera, um, drama, that's why I love jazz, because that the act of creation is part of the performance. It's not, we've finished this now, I'm presenting it to you. We're actively discovering things in front of the audience. That means mm. it may not be polished. That means there's the possibility that there will be an error, the possibility that anything could happen. 
And the fact that that's embraced in the jazz art form of improvisation um, in a way that it's not in other art forms, I yes. think is why I love it so. I, I love it as a as a fan for the same reason, because it is sort of real. It's human. It's It breathes. It lives. I, I want to talk to you about song selection on any thing like this. Now, we're playing some songs that are composed by you guys that we can use and you've given us permission. Thank you. But some of the some of the cuts on this particular album, uh, I told you how much I love Midnight Sun just for the Aurora mm. Borealis. But it, it, it's really telling when you can look at a, at a standard like Smoke It's In Your Eyes, which has been done for 80 years by 80,000 artists and put your own stamp on it, uh, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it? it's uh, I, I think especially when you enter into the conversation of a standard like that, knowing that it's been done so many mm-hmm. times and brilliantly so. Um, I think it's really important, especially if you're going to record it, to say, I have something to say about this and and this will be a definitive version in the sense of it will be the the version where I say what I think needs to be said about the song. I have something to add to the conversation of Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and this is mm. that. Mm. So, uh, you know, for my next record, which I'm working on the music for right now, the Impatience Ted <laughs> referenced earlier, uh, there'll be fewer uh, um, standards, but I'm... I feel like the bar is that much higher. Mm. If I'm going to do that old black magic, it had better be the <laughs> definitive Kristen Lee Sargent old black magic, not necessarily the best, but just one that is unmistakably uh, that I have claimed in some way. And, and with Ted Nash here, I mean, you're arranging music all the time for various and sundry orchestral groups and small groups and so forth. I mean, you've probably arranged songs that were arranged 70 years ago by somebody else and 50 years after that. So is the creative process as exciting as it as it's always been to do that kind of thing? Yeah, most most of the time I'd say it is. Sometimes the uh, the deadlines and the, the pressure of that will make you feel a little less like ah, I have time to really explore mm. how I can make this as creative as possible. But um, there's been times, for example, like I remember a, a project where I had two arrangements to do and I had to do them in a week. And I spent like five days on this one arrangement and I was just struggling and I was I, I, I felt forced. I felt, and then I finished finally. And then I said, oh, I still have this other arrangement to do. So I did that one in one day, like in a few hours. I just I threw something together based <laughs> on purely just like my imagination. Just like, okay, what, you know, and it was, out of the two, it was clearly the much better arrangement. So it, it sometimes just putting yourself like, what is my, what, where my, can my imagination take mm. me? How can I as quickly as possible access the tools to to just fulfill that imagination, and, and for me, that's that's when it when it just flows and and, and comes out of you. I, I think it's the most successful. Yeah, much like a writer or a visual artist, it's the same idea. I mean, you know, just it's, mm-hmm. you just forget about all the training and everything that you have to do with the deadlines. Just do something, let it flow, and that's the beauty yep. of of this kind of thing. And and the voice that you have, um, I'm wondering if people have n- commented on what your voice or who you remind people of. I mean, everybody kind of reminds somebody of somebody else in some capacity. Right. Anybody come to mind uh, often? Is that a question for me? Or That's for, for you, for you, Kristen, to be self-examining I, yourself at the moment. I, I think it's tricky because I think for, uh, if you're going to market yourself, it's very, it's really helpful to say it's so-and-so meets so-and-so. Um, but I've sought so hard to find a sound that's very distinctive. There are artists who I think you can hear their influence in the way I approach the music. I love Carmen McRae. I yeah. don't sound anything exactly like her, mm-hmm. but her choices and her 
uh, vigor I really love. Mark Murphy um, has a certain uh, a beauty of tone and total uh, wildness that I hope to take a little bit of. Judy Garland has theatricality and uh, and commitment and drama that I respect. I don't think anybody listens to me and thinks, ah, you sound like that. Well, I would just say, first of all, those are good choices. You also picked a man, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. You didn't just go with the female thing. But what I would say is in listening to you and discovering you, um, you have a, uh, a, a style that is not like forcing it down my throat, that kind of thing. It's there. It's very soft and gentle, but it's got a little edge to it at times. Uh, there's something for everybody out there and you certainly fit the bill. Ted, how do you, how do you put uh, any label on this lovely lady? If you can. Um, I do like to say a storyteller, but it's not like um, theatrical cabaret style. It's in a context that's more of a jazz setting, which I think mm. is rare. I think a lot of jazz singers sing the words without thinking about what they mean and not, and trying to, figure out how they can tell the story as if it's their own. Rosemary Clooney could do that. She, I got a chance to work with Rosemary Clooney for a month, and every night she would tell the same story before hmm. singing a song, and I would be in tears each time, thinking <laughs> that she's telling this for the first time. And that's the kind of feeling I get when I hear Kristen. I think that's what people are responding to. And I, I know that Kristen didn't mention another singer, Marilyn May, who has oh. this incredible... Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry like for said, left <laughs> No, you took me you took me to Dizzy's and said you've got to check out. I mean, I've worked with her, but you've got to just check her out in her her own environment and uh and it's I, I when I heard Marilyn May, I was like every horn player needs to listen mm. to her for phrasing, for how she chooses to shape the phrases, how to tell the story. I think that's what I love so much about Kristen is that that she is able to take uh this background of theater but put it into a context of jazz and for me it satisfies on all levels that's a great way to sum up uh, her style i was thinking of a friend of mine and she's a little older carol sloan do you know carol oh yes mm -hmm. there's something mm -hmm. about carol sloan that that reminds me of you and you her and that's mm -hmm. a high compliment because she's absolutely one of the one of the very finest out there well let's before we wrap up uh, we're gonna of course as people have heard feature some of the music throughout this podcast but uh, let's find out how people can can catch you guys in action, and I guess the best way is to send them to your websites. First, Kristen. Yes, uh, it's my name, so Kristen Lee Sargent <laughs> uh, .com. And By the way, is that your real name? It is. It's my full name. Come on, you made that up. No, I got it. <laughs> people say to me, "I made my name up in radio." That's my name too, Jordan Rich. That's a beautiful name for uh, for jazz. I don't know why. Yeah, just... no, thank you. It's uh, I, I'm lucky to have it. Although S Sargent, I'll just say, is spelled. With an E, not an A, like the painter. So right, S E R G E A N T. Kristen Lee Sargent. And I should, you know, we work very hard to make ourselves easy to find. So hopefully, with just a, a swift Google, I'm on Instagram and and Facebook, and I'd love to connect with you. By the way, the new album is called Smolder, which features Ted Nash, and uh, it's TedNash.com. Correct, Ted? Is that right? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm holding an no, actual. I did not, I... I, I did not make up that name. That <laughs> name. You've got a long family history of Nash musicians. Uh, I, I, I have one more question on a technical note. I'm actually holding, how weird is this? I'm holding an object in my hand. That does... Oh, it's not a coaster. You were using it as one earlier, but it, it's a CD. <laughs> I really was. Most people, I, I advertise a, a coaster. Is, uh, so I'm actually so. holding a CD with your beautiful red hair all over it. Uh, not all over the CD, but in the picture. And and it's 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 actually... Very quaint and nice for somebody like me to hold a CD so I can play it in my CD player. <gasps> well, I, one of those? I actually do. 
I do. I started playing more CDs deliberately because I was trying to sell one. And I thought, I need to start actually doing the thing I'm, I'm complaining. Look over your shoulder, see. Kristen. In my studio, what do we see? Vinyl. Vinyl. Come on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Ted, uh, needless to say, tednash.com, you're all over the place and uh, working constantly. I want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And Ted, let's talk about the wine one more time, and I'll have you start. Tell us what it is and why it's so special. True Notes Wine. Well, it's it's a passion project, and it's I think it really reflects both Kristen's and my love. Uh, for for good wine and for the differences and and it's a Bordeaux style uh, wine. Uh, it's somewhere between an old world and a new world. And I'll let Kristen talk a little bit more about the grapes since she's the expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what Ted said it's uh, uh, it's a Bordeaux it's a Bordeaux lovers California wine. It's from uh, Santa Barbara, the Happy Canyon of Santa Barbara. We love that name, and uh, it's uh, equal parts Cabernet Merlot and Cabernet Franc. So. Uh, it's herbaceous. It's full-bodied. Uh, pairs well as uh, with food or by itself. We thought mm-hmm. it would be particularly suited to jazz clubs, where there seems to be a a dearth of good wine. <laughs> so <laughs> we're trying to uh, fill in that place. But enjoyed well at home as too. Like your wine, when you get to be our age, Ted, we're finely aged. We're not old, <laughs> so we're just we're just coming into our own, right? Okay, I love that, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been delightful. Thank you so much. We'll we'll play it out with a little music, and I really appreciate it. And over the years, I've met so many wonderful musicians coming up, doing their thing, and particularly in jazz. I, I say to Joanne, our wonderful PR contact, that there's no better group of people than jazz musicians, stand-up comics, and NHL hockey players. Mm. So I put you in good. <laughs> okay. Well, we have to have a cocktail party with all those. Absolutely. <laughs> Ted, Ted, thank you so much. Kristen, thank you thank so you, much. Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Good luck to you both. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. You only leave me with afterglow. You light a fire and then you go. Action. Sure.
this yearning worth the affection you'll never know From the album Smolder, that's Kristen Lee Sargent, our vocalist, Ted Nash, of course, saxophonist extraordinaire, jazz composer, and partner with Kristen in the wine business. You've been listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on all podcast platforms. Thank you for subscribing and downloading this podcast and for offering up your reviews. They really do help as we expand our reach on a weekly basis around the world. This is Jordan Rich. Keep the music in your heart and remember, be well so you can do good. Take care.